0: and welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast brought to you by the North Jersey Vipers Softball Club. Now in its 14th season, the North Jersey Vipers is one of the premier softball clubs in all of New Jersey and the longest running softball club in North Jersey. Go to the website, northjerseyvipers.com. So let's get right into the big story in the Tri-State. Seton Hall, St. John's. We expected a tough one possession type of a game. And instead we had about a game for maybe one possession in the entire game. It was a game for all of about five minutes. This game was tied at 24. Uh, St. John's dug itself an early hole. Couldn't hit a shot for the first five minutes. 0 for 10 from the field. They went on a run, made it a game for a hot minute. The game was tied at 24. And then before gyrating Joe, all of 50-year-old gyrating Joe could take his shirt off and dance in front of the crowd. Seton Hall ends the half on a 14-0 run, starts the second half on a 14-0 run, 28 to nothing over two halves. And in the end, an 80-65 to throttling by Seton Hall as the Pirates continue their dominance over St. John's at the Prudential Center. They improved to 12 and one overall all time in that building here to break it down from both sides. Seton Hall, St. John's is Zach Braziller from the New York post. The only writer I might add who covers both St. John's and Seton Hall on a consistent basis. Zach, good to have you back, my friend.
1: What's up, man. How are we, How
0: are you doing? I'm doing great. And, and, you know, by the way, before this game started, if I had told you what would happen out there, what would you have told me?
1: I would have been stunned, obviously. <laughs> um, now, look, I I think a lot kind of, you know went went wrong for St. John's. You know, I, it was kind of like a snowball effect. Like they lose a crusher at Creighton game they really should have won. Um, got a few awful calls late, and even with those off calls, they just they couldn't hit a shot the last five minutes. Lost by one. They should have won the game. So, you have that, you have a real emotional loss. And then a few hours before tip off, you find out you're not going to have your coach. You're not going to have one of your best players, Jordan Dingle. And the team kind of looked shell shocked. Um, you know, and yeah, look, it was 24 24. And I did feel like, you know, for a little while in that first half, St. John's was starting to get going. But look, they started unaggressive, should settling. And look, Seton Hall as Davis Jenkins said of the game. Seton Hall punks them. They were much tougher. They outworked them. They were more physical. It um, it 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 really looked like the St. John's team from November that just kind of didn't didn't know what it was. Now they've been a really good team for the last five weeks. You know the I think the Haslam metrics. Um, Eric Haslam does a great job. His analytic metrics had St. John's over the last like five weeks a top ten team in the country. Um, they've been really good. Like, look, they won handily over Villanova on the road. They beat Providence at home. They manhandled Xavier, manhandled Butler at home. You know, nearly beat UConn at UConn. I don't know Klingon, but they nearly won that game. Really should have beat, beat Creighton. And then last night they played an awful game. There's no doubt about it. They didn't look like the, the team we've seen over the last five weeks. Predictably, St. John's fans are jumping off roofs. <laughs> Which is not a surprise. They think now the you know the the sky is caving in that they're going to go on a long losing streak. That you know basically the reactions are like what I've seen in the past when a bad game or two happens. I uh, I'm not my biggest worry for St. John's right now is that more guys are going to be sick and they're going to be shorthanded Saturday against Marquette. If you tell me that Patino's back and they're full strength Saturday, I think they're going to win the game. I think they'll beat Marquette. Marquette's not a good road team. One and three on the road this year. Have not played great lately. I know they beat Villanova the other day, but they lost pretty handily at home to Butler. Lost to Seton Hall. Um, you know, I, I I think it's a a very winnable game. And look, I've said this all along about this league. You win. You, you got to win most of your home games and steal a few on the road. You know. Um, yes. And look. Seton Hall's got already has two road wins, which are big, and they're winning their home games. St. John's has won their home games. They've they got one at Nova. Um, You know they're safely in the tournament right now. I think they're probably tracking around an eight seed, which has fallen a little bit. You know the last few losses, but look, they got to go go beat Marquette and beat Villanova at the Garden, and they'll be fine.
0: Those those Um, are home games. Uh, Agreed, Zach. Agreed. Uh, Seton Hall, by the way, three road wins. Right. Butler, Georgetown, Providence. Right, it's hard right, to keep right, track I of it.
1: I, um, yeah, I, I, I did not count Georgetown. <laughs> ah.
0: <laughs> that, that's okay. I think a lot of people aren't counting them right now. But listen, they can beat anyone just as much as, uh, you know, uh, anyone else in the Big East. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Georgetown surprises a couple of teams. Zach, so was this, listen, we agree that that Patino and Dingle not being there. Hours before tip-off had some effect on this team. But I don't know with Patino and Dingle if St. John's does win this game because I I think the physicality of of Seton Hall somehow shocked St. John's. I know you interviewed Dennis Jenkins ahead of time. He had those quotes saying, we have to be the physical team. We have to come out and kind of punch them in the mouth. Is it a case where you've seen Seton Hall a number of times this year? People know they have to be physical, but until they play them, they don't know how damn physical this team is?
1: Yeah, look, that's fair. Um, See, when I'm saying I think St. John's was impacted by no Patino-Dingle, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, however many points Dingle would score or saying Rick Patino is worth this amount of points. It's more the, the mental impact that that kind of stuff had, you know, you could see it. They were, they were shell shocked for most of this game. And, you know, I, I thought this game was a kind of a barometer on how tough this team is. And then I felt when this stuff happened, you were really going to find it. And they didn't look, they didn't step up, step up to the toughness challenge. They did not handle adversity. Well, there's, there's no question about that. And you got to give Seed Hall credit. Look, Seed Hall is a good team. I think they're playing a little above their heads, but they're a good team. And you're going to, they're not going to like, they're tough. They're tough as you know what. They've got continuity. You know, their three best players were on this team last year Dawes, Richmond, and Davis. Um, I felt Dre Davis' injuries last year really hurt Seton Hall. I'm a big fan of He's tough. He, he, you know, he could score in and out. Um, I think him being healthy this year has been a huge, huge thing for Seton Hall. they're not. You're gonna have to beat them. They're not gonna beat themselves. You know, they're they're gonna do what they do. Jake has said it. You gotta, you know, you have to not, you know, let how they play impact you. And St. John's clearly did. You know, right now, Joel Soriano is in a funk. There's no question. He kind of went through this a little last year. You know, mid. You know, around around this time, it had been a little later, but he's clearly in a funk. He was. Not good against Providence. He was not great against Creighton. He was bad yesterday. You know, Zuby Edgefor has played much better than him the last few games. And he's, you know, kind of a one bright spot from yesterday for St. John's where he's playing really well. He had 13 points, five blocks. Like, they're a better defensive team with him on the floor lately. And, you know, look, St. John's got to get Soriano going here. Um, uh, and I don't even think Marquette's – you know, it's funny. Marquette probably is – Zuby Edgefor probably matches up better with Marquette because – they're you know you know Marquette is going to go up and down and and they're going to spread you out and they're going to put Soriano in a ton of pick and rolls and you know it'll be interesting to see if Zuby plays plays a lot um on Saturday but look you know St. John's has issues right now with with Soriano not playing great and you know Chris Ledlum is now just kind of getting back into it after hurting his ankle and you know, R.J. Luis is dealing with shin splints, and he's you know kind of up and down. And you know, they've it—it's it, really kind of to me—it's it's a crossroads of their season. They have two winnable home games coming up. They got to find a way to win. Right now, this team—they have still have really good metrics. They're 37th in the net. They're 38th in Ken Palm. You know, they're safe. You know, they're right. The tracking is an eight seed. Um, you know, I've I've said this from the jump. They make the tournament and win a game. It would be a great year, you know, um, and I still feel like that's what's going to happen. You know, they they finish in the seventh or eighth seed. You're going to have a really good shot to win a game in the tournament. And I know, you know, they have higher expectations than that. But I think with all everything, all things considered, that would be a really good year. And I still think that's what's going to happen. Look, when I saw the league schedule come out, um, I said you want to be right around 500 through 13, 14 league games. The bottom, the 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 end of their lease schedule is is incredibly soft. You know they haven't played Georgetown yet. They haven't played DePaul yet. Those are four very very winnable games. Obviously, that you expect them at worst to go three and one, probably four and oh. Um, You know, and this is a really really tough stretch. And they're, you know, if I would have, I I would have absolutely signed for four and three through seven games. I think the issue with the fan base is. They are four and one. They probably should have be Creighton, and then they lay the egg against Ian Hall. But four and three through seven to me is right where you want it to be. Um, you know, you, you now get two home games here. Um, okay, if you you split the home games, you're now five and four in the league. You're still to me. You're in fine shape. You know, um, the goal is obviously is to make the tournament. You know, this. You know, I know people start having dreams of being a four or five, so you four and one, but. That's just, that probably wasn't realistic. Um, you know, I mean, what, what I think what really kills you if you're a St. John's fan is they easily could have won either UConn or, or, or Creighton. And if you win one of those games, you're in great shape. They didn't. I want
0: to get back to, to Soriano. A season low six points. First time he has not scored in double figures all year. And only played 18 minutes. Uh, also, was a season low outside of the Holy Cross game where, you know, they, they won by 40. Uh, RJ Luis, also ineffective. Uh, I think St. John's is much better when uh, Luis scores in double figures. I looked up the stat. They're 5-0 and o when he's in double figures. So was that a coach's decision to not play Luis and Soriano for long stretches of the second half? Was it a benching? Injuries, what did you hear about those two not playing uh at all late in that
1: game? It was the game was an absolute blowout. Um and look, I think you know, I think it was one of those look, Luis, they're managing, he's got he's not gonna be a hundred percent until the offseason. He really rested for like a month or two. Um, so I think it was one of those things where look, the game is out of hand. Why am I gonna push this guy? Where maybe they could, his his shins could flare up and the game is out of hand with Soriano he was having a nightmarish performance Zubi was playing well and you know they wanted to just go with that I you know I don't know if I would call it a benching um you know um, I just think it was one of those they they wanted to go with the guys who were giving you giving them energy and look they the second unit you know play better and like it has been an issue the last two games. The Crane game, it was the second unit with Zuby um, that kind of gave them a shot to win that game. They went on a 14-2 run in the second half with Zuby on the floor and some of their other second unit guys, um, and that's why they really had a shot to win the game at the end. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to call it a benching. I think it was one of those, he just was having a nightmarish game and there was no really benefit to him playing um, with that game out of hand and Zuby playing well.
0: On the other side, Zach, Seton Hall, you said it. Maybe they're playing above what uh, we thought they are. Um, maybe it's a team morphing into a team that we didn't know it could be. Regardless of what it is, Bill Parcell said it best. Your record is, you know, you are what your record says you are. And right now they're 13 and 5, 6 and 1 in the Big East. You were at that game against Rutgers. I was at that game. There is no way in hell anyone, including, I think, people in that locker room, thought that this was capable of happening. How have they found that switch, and can they keep it going?
1: Yeah, look, I, Seton Hall is the, clearly the biggest surprise in the Big East. You can make an argument they're one of the biggest surprises in the country you know, especially when you consider they're a pick ninth in the league. And then they, like, this looked like a bad team through non-conference.
0: Agreed. So after that Rutgers game, I said, this team has no identity. What are they? I think now, Zach, we're seeing a team with toughness. They do defend better than they did then. Um, Their attention to detail. They are uh, defending the three better. And they're rebounding like madmen. I mean, to out-rebound the number one rebounding team in the Big East by 21, that hasn't happened to St. John's all year. Zach, I looked up the stats. They have been out-rebounded St. John's four times previously. The most that they had been out-rebounded before was six to Xavier. They got out-rebounded by 21, and they gave up 21 offensive rebounds. So clearly, this is a Seton Hall team that wants to bring toughness, wants to rebound. So are we seeing the identity of this team finally come to fruition now with Seton home?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I agree. I mean, like I've kind of been one of those people that, I, and I still think they are playing over their head that they're playing over their head, but you know what? <laughs> they, they keep winning.
0: Yeah. And what they're doing is Kaderi Richmond, the,
1: leader right now for Big East player of the year? Uh, I think you have to say that. They're in first place. He's having an awesome year. Even last night where he wasn't great, he just controls the game.
0: Is it amazing to you how he, everyone knows he's going to drive and St. John's was doubling him all over the place. They were they were throwing Ledlam at him. They were throwing Soriano at him. Uh, Aline, right? Um, it didn't matter who, Glenn Taylor. It didn't matter who was guarding him he still finds a way to get to his spots, to drive and create for himself or for others. How are teams not able to stop this guy when they're game planning for him and they know what he's going to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. Like he's, he just is so shifty and he's so tough and physical and big. Um, I mean, I said it for the year. I mean, like, Seat avenue to be a good team with Paul Richmond taking a big step as a star player. And he's uh, and he's absolutely taken it. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to Shaw. You you've got a, a ton of credit to Kadari, who has met this challenge head on. And, you know, I I know they're obviously very different players, but I'm going to make this comparison right now. Kadari, Richmond. Is having a Miles Powell type season. The year Miles had when Seton Hall obviously was gonna be like a three seed of the tournament with Willard, and obviously COVID, you know, ruined that. But he's had he's having that kind of impact. And he's not I don't think nationally he's getting the same recognition that Powell got because Powell would have these huge, huge scoring games mm-hmm. and hit these crazy threes and all this stuff. But in my opinion, Kadari Richmond is having every bit as much of an impact as Powell. And that's also real. That Powell team had more talent. You know, there's no Romaro Gill on this team. There's no, I, I, you know, there's no Quincy McKnight, although Dawes has been absolutely fantastic lately. But Kadari, you know, he's creating. He's getting tons of rebounds. He's playing great defense. He's scoring. Like, he's had an absolutely monster year. And I, I really think he's making – as much of an impact as as miles Powell did, um, that year. And it's, you know, you, you gotta feel good for a kid who, you know, I'm sure he could have gotten more NIL elsewhere. Um, and it's, and it's a credit to, uh, Shaheen Holloway, Rasheem Davis, Ryan Whalen and that staff that, you know, guys like Dawes, Davis and Kadari stuck around, um, you know, because there's more money out. So we all know Seton Hall's NIL is not in great shape. Um, and they stuck around and, you know, Rasheen Davis was a big factor in them getting Betty Ako, who's obviously had a great year. Um, Rasheen Davis was a, was the guy who got you Dylan Adai Wusu. You know, I watched Dylan and he was so under control. You didn't see any of those wild drives he would have at St. John's and just lower his shoulder and get offensive fouls. You know, he's playing really smart. Um, and, you know, the the, the 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 impressive thing about Seton Hall and how tough they are is they play small. You know, they they, they play four guards, you know. Um, I thought St. John's could really hurt them in the paint with Ledlow and Soriano, and it was the opposite. Um, they got hurt in the paint. Um, you know, uh, I still not – I'm not saying I, – I still think UConn's going to win this league, but – See Hall is having a great year and I know the metrics aren't great and they're slowly improving um, but the reason the but you know it's funny the reason the metrics aren't great is because of how just unimpressive this team was in non-conference they weren't blowing away by game teams you know they um, they lost to a USC team who turned out to be pretty bad um, lost to a bad Iowa team you know and ever since that Rutgers game they've been like they've been an elite, elite team I don't you know, you look at it, you know, one bad game, you know, they, they, and that, and that's, and, and, you know, and then we kind of, you know, St. John's fans need to look at it too. It's one bad game. So St. Seton Hall had a bad game against Xavier. No question about that. They were awful. They yes. lost by 20. What did they do? They came home and they won and they won games. That's what St. John's has to do. You come home and you got to win games. You, you know, it's, in this league, you gotta win your home games because winning on the road. I just pointed out twenty-one and eight, not counting George and DePaul in league games. Twenty-one and eight. It's hard to win in this league on the road. Um, well
0: said. And and to me, know. whether you win by five on the road or win by twenty on the road, it should still count as a road win. You know, I, I hate these metrics, Zach. You know, the the computer doesn't understand how hard it is to win on the road. I don't care if you're uh, at Georgetown or or at Providence or, or at UConn, um, you know, it's still hard to win and winning on the road uh, road wins should count for more in my estimation than they do, uh, you know, by the amount that you win by, you know what I mean? Right. They, they really yeah, should.
1: That's fair. So, but the right. road games do make an impact, you know,
0: Agreed. Agreed. I, I just feel like, you know, margin of victory uh, should somehow be taken out of this equation in some in some form, because not all quad one wins are, are created equal, as we know. I want to ask you this, Zach. All right. St. John's as a whole. Throwing it out to you, I don't know if it's been talked about, but would Rick Patino have been better Keeping more of these players from St. John's, we know what AJ Store is excelling at Wisconsin, helping them become a top twenty-five team. Dylan DeWuso is helping Seton Hall overachieve and and catapult to the top of the Big East. Right there with UConn, Omar Stanley's doing well. Posh Alexander. Would some of these players and some continuity of them playing together, uh, given Patino? a better hand than what he dealt himself.
1: Um store was offered the opportunity to stay. They had some demands that kind of crazy demands. Um you know like Patino got bad reports on you know on a lot of these guys. The cat the culture under Mike Anderson had gotten really really bad. There's it it did, you know there were a lot of guys not going to class um there were some you know off the court stuff you know um Posh number one no 100 percent no um Danish Jenkins a better player you weren't bringing Posh back to be a backup um okay. Jenkins is a much better player they uh, could not there, have I mean, coexisted there's, no, there's it just didn't, it wouldn't have made sense um no question about that um you know maybe you know look Davy Jones is obviously having a great year with Memphis. Um, right, forgot about him. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, look, if R.J. Luis is doesn't have isn't you know bothered by shins and limited and missing so many games, I don't think Davy Jones is an issue. Um, you know, look, I, I think I, hindsight twenty twenty. I, I, I really think this was. Look, he was starting over. He wanted to you know, he talked a lot about creating a culture here. I, I i I don't have an issue with what he did. I don't. um, and I also think you got to look at it too. The mix wasn't good. you know, they it was easy to defend this team because they didn't have enough guys who can shoot. So like, you know, everyone you know, obviously Mike Anderson did an awful job with it with this team last year, but I don't have an issue with what with with what happened and. You know, I think a lot – look, a lot of these guys pick good spots. You know, they pick spots where they fit. And the mix of talent didn't really fit. Um, okay. You know. Fair um, enough. And look, Fair enough.
0: I, I, you know, I would
1: – Here's the thing. Before the – They're up nine and Creighton with eight minutes to go. No one is wondering, well, should they have kept these guys when they're headed to five and one in the league? And they lose two games and everyone's, you know, oh, they should have – you know, I, look they it's the big East, It's a long year. It's tough. They've lost a few tough road games. You know, like I said, my biggest issue for Saturday is, are they, are more guys going to be sick? That to me is, that's my biggest issue for Saturday. Okay. Um, otherwise I, I think they'll be fine. Got to, got to win your home games. Um, they're still in fine shape to make the tournament. Um, you know,
0: Zach, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's a long season. Uh, you know, we could play the what if game Patino has dealt himself this hand and and uh, when healthy St. John's has proven that they can be an upper echelon team in the Big East when healthy Seton Hall has proven the same. If Seton Hall continues on this trajectory, uh, if they somehow be Creighton at home. Where do you think they'll fall in the rankings? Because at that point, they have to rank them, Zach. Could they be yeah, as high uh, as top 15?
1: Like seventeen or eighteen, I also think people are, you know, too too preoccupied with the rank. The the rankings are irrelevant. Like they really are. You know, your your metrics are so much more important than I like. I get it. People like seeing the number next to the name. Um, you know, it's great for. Um, you know, it's good for you when you tell recruits, and you know, it it, it looks good and all that, but you know, move you know, moving up in the metrics is far more important than than where you're at. It really oh, is. Okay. Uh, like a lot of the voters don't, you know, aren't even watching like you know some people who some of their some of their top twenty fives are awful. Like I saw someone who's still at Texas ranked twelfth. And it's like, do you are you watching the games? In the long run it's really not important. It's your metrics are far more important. Your net ranking your 10 is far more important than where you're ranked.
0: Keep winning and somehow the metrics will take care of themselves. Somehow the rankings will take care of themselves. And that that voter who had Texas 12, get that guy out of here. Take his privileges away and don't let him vote ever again. Zach, uh, you do a wonderful job. Check him out in the New York Post. Follow him on, on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he is a source not only for St. John's, but also for Seton Hall and college basketball in the metropolitan area. Zach Brazilla, great talking to you again. I will see you at a game very soon.
1: All right, man. Have a good one, all right?
0: You too. All right. Always great to talk to Zach and get his perspective on both teams. Look, St. John's, they played their worst game of the season at the wrong time. It was the wrong opponent under all the circumstances. Make no mistake about it. The Prudential Center has been a house of horrors for St. John's. One win in 13 trips to the Prudential Center. And for the first time in this long storied rivalry between Seton Hall and St. John's, get this. Seton Hall has now defeated St. John's by double digits in three consecutive games for the first time in a series that goes back to, I think, 1909. So it's been a long time. Right now, the pendulum has swung to Seton Hall with or without Patino. I'm trying to be objective here and say, I still think Seton Hall would have out and out-tuffed and out-rebounded St. John's because they were not ready to go and play against the physicality of Seton Hall. Now, if St. John's is healthy and they can get things squared away and get Patino back on the bench for Marquette, I'm with Zach. They're going to be okay. This is not the same St. John's team that I was praising recently that had finally turned the corner, but it's a long season We're only in the middle of January with still seven, almost eight weeks of the regular season left to play. A lot of games left. But let's start to put Seton Hall in that conversation of teams that can compete for a Big East regular season championship. Is this team the Marquette of last year? Marquette, if you recall, was also predicted ninth last year. And all they did was shock everyone and go 17 and three and win the Big East regular season and the Big East tournament titles and produce the Big East player of the year and the Big East coach of the year. Hmm. Hmm. I am not saying Seton Hall is going 17 and three. That would be the greatest coaching job ever in the Big East. I'm not saying that's happening, but aren't there some parallels there? Both teams predicted ninth. Both teams could produce the Big East player of the year and the Big East coach of the year. If Seton Hall continues down this path, why wouldn't Shaheen Holloway be named Big East coach of the year? Why wouldn't Kaderi Richmond be named player of the year like Tyler Kolick was last year? I'm just saying the team is gelling. And it's something to think about in the middle of January that it could happen. Beat Creighton and this team is going to get more national attention. They will be ranked in the top 25. I will predict it. They will be. I wouldn't be surprised if they're somewhere between 15 and 18. That's where I'm going to put them in the poll. Let's see if Kadari Richmond is healthy. He hurt his back late in that game. And he, he we still weren't sure of his status or his injury update in the post game press conference with Shaheen Holloway. But if he's healthy, obviously Seton Hall is ready to go. If he's not, that changes everything for this team because he is the reason, he is the main reason why Seton Hall is there. But it also took a heroic effort out of Al Dawes, who scored 20 points for the fifth time this season. Seton Hall, if I didn't say it, is and 5-0 in games that Al Dawes scores 20 or more points. And I didn't say enough about Elijah Hutchins Everett. This is a player who was clearly Jaden Bediaco's backup, who was clearly in games from a fans, fan's perspective, just trying to hold the fort, do what he can do until Jaden Betty got back on the court, play good defense, get you some rebounds, maybe block a shot. Scoring was a bonus, hold the fort. Well, now, wait a minute. He just went out and played 18 minutes. Scored a season high 14 points, seven rebounds, had the greatest assist of the game on a backdoor cut by Al Dawes. And Hutchins Everett from the top of the key threaded a bounce past the Dawes for a layup. The big fella hit a three. And in case you weren't aware, yes, he has hit threes before at Austin P. He was aggressive, he played angry. Wait a minute. This is Elijah Hutchins Everett? He dunked the ball? This puts Seton Hall's two-headed monster in a whole new perspective. If he can do this against St. John's, against Joel Soriano, who I've said is certainly one of the top three centers in the Big East and one of the top 10 centers in the country... Elijah Hutchins Everett? He may not give you 14 and 7 every night, but now we have seen this Seton Hall, two-headed center. These guys can play. They're more than just two guys who are, you know, you hope don't hurt you. Betty and Everett could be a force to be reckoned with Moving forward, we'll see if they can duplicate this against Ryan Kalkbrenner and company on Saturday. It's just another day in the Big East, a matchup against another top center. We'll see what happens with Seton Hall and St. John's moving forward. All right, now let's go around the tri-state. I want to talk UConn. I want to talk Central Connecticut. Yes, I said Central Connecticut. Going back to my roots in New Britain, Connecticut, just outside of Rocky Hill. And I also want to talk about St. Peter's. Let's begin with UConn. UConn will play that Creighton team, the aforementioned Creighton team, in a battle of two ranked opponents in stores, Connecticut on Wednesday. They are ranked number one in the country for the first time since 2009. The Huskies have a number one in front of their name. Alex Caraban is red hot. He, if not for the efforts of Kadari Richmond, he would have been named Big East Player of the Week against Georgetown. He had 19 points, hit five three-pointers. Alex Caraban is playing like a first-team All-Big East player once again. You know the Huskies will have one player on that team at the end of the year. Newton has made a case. Caravan has made a case. And I'll tell you what, Cam Spencer sure as hell has made a case. He has been the Huskies' most consistent player all season. Caravan and Spencer were a combined 10 for 12 from three against Georgetown. Spencer was a perfect five for five. He just keeps doing it night in and night out. Cam Spencer is the guy who brings the D. He brings the edge, the attitude. He brings the three-point shot making ability, the leadership, the ability to drive and finish at the hoop. Cam Spencer's right there as well. And they're doing it all UConn, without Donovan Klingon. 5 straight wins without Donovan Klingon. Can they make it six in a row? Word was before this game that Donovan Klingen was doubtful and that's going to hurt UConn with Ryan Kalkbrenner on the other side. Alex Carraban needs to keep playing at a high level. Cam Spencer, the same. Tristan Newton, the same. The fourth player in that and someone who has really stepped up his game is the freshman Stefan Castle is playing like the Big East Rookie of the Year. Stefan Castle scored 14 points in that game in his last four games he's averaging 13 and a half, 5.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists. Stefan Castle is playing himself back into shape he's playing himself back into a position where he's not just a role player he can star at times. And UConn is figuring things out without, without Donovan Klingon. So it has been a total team effort. It has been something to see where UConn has come together. And when Donovan Klingon does return, UConn will be that much of a better team and a dangerous team. I don't care that Georgetown made it a close game in the second half. I said in my interview with Zach Braziller, Don't discount Georgetown. They are going to win some games this year that they're not supposed to. That's the Ed Cooley factor. All right. They have a bona fide inside and outside player in Jaden Epps and Supreme Cook who can play with any inside outside combination in the Big East. Let me repeat that. Jaden Epps and Supreme Cook. Inside and outside are as good as any inside-outside combination that you can find in the Big East. Whether it's Dennis Jenkins and Joel Soriano, whether it's Cam Spencer or Tristan Newton and Donovan Klingon, whether it's Tyler Kolick and Oso Igodaro, pick your two. Jaden Epps and Supreme Cook, are very, very good. An elite one-two combination. So Georgetown is going to win some games this year that they're not supposed to. Look out for that. Big week ahead for UConn. Can they pull even with Seton Hall at the top of the standings? (laughs) Who thought that would happen? And match Seton Hall's 6 and one start. Moving east to west in The state of Connecticut going I-84, heading I-84 West, straight for New Britain and Central Connecticut. They are the story in the Northeast Conference. Central Connecticut is in first place thanks to their head coach, Patrick Sellers. And in case you don't know who Patrick Sellers is, think of the last name, Sellers, Connecticut. Ring a bell? How about Rod Sellers? Patrick Sellers is the brother of Rod Sellers, former star at UConn. Well, he's carved his own path. Patrick Sellers played basketball at Central Connecticut from 87 to 91. He was a team captain there. He knows that school and the history there. He's had success up and down his career as an assistant coach, playing for teams that went to NCAA tournaments, Like University of Connecticut, he coached under Jim Calhoun. He was an assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson, where they went to the NCAA tournament. He was an assistant coach at Creighton, where they went to the NCAA tournament. He knows how to win. He has coached at winning programs, and now he is turning Central Connecticut into a competitor in the always wide-open Northeast Conference. It's been 20 years since Central Connecticut has tasted an NCAA tournament and and risen to the top of the Northeast Conference. Is this their year? If it is, they are led by the dynamic Allen Gene Rose. Fairfield fans, you know very well who I'm talking about. Because Gene Rose played four years at Fairfield And was a very good player for the Stags. Started a lot of games there. Averaged about 10 points a game. He is transferred in his COVID season, in his graduate season, to Central Connecticut. And might be the best player in the conference. In conference games, Alan Jean Rose is averaging 23 points a game. Shooting 53% from the field. He's also averaging seven rebounds a game. He is a dude. He was named Northeast Conference Player of the Week. Winning players who make winning plays. Alan Jean Rose has them at the top following their win over Merrimack. It's probably a three-team race in the Northeast Conference. Central Connecticut, Merrimack, and Sacred Heart. Central Connecticut beat Merrimack 75-70, and they are the only unbeaten team remaining in conference play. We'll see where the Blue Devils, they are the Central Connecticut Blue Devils. We'll see where they go from here. Nine and seven, three and 0 oh overall. I mean, three and 0 oh in conference. They host LeMoyne on Friday. And then they're at LIU. Circle this date. They host Sacred Heart on February 8th, and they're at Sacred Heart on February 24th. They also play Merrimack one more time on the road, February 3rd. Those are the dates to keep an eye on with Central Connecticut. And last but not least, let's talk about St. Peter's, another unbeaten team in the tri state and conference play, a team that has won six straight games. A team that is the only unbeaten team remaining in the MAC, at five and zero. At one point, they were three and five. Bashir Mason has this team rolling. They have won six straight games, and they are the talk of the MAC conference as we speak. They also have a couple of darn good players. They are led by Latrell Reed and Corey Washington. Reed had a double double in. St. Peter's win over Manhattan, 11 points and a career-high 11 assists. First player to have 11 assists in a game since Matthew Lee three years ago. Corey Washington is their leading scorer, and this team does it with defense. They are one of the best defensive teams in the country, averaging, uh, allowing less than 64 points a game. Anytime this team holds their opponents under 70 points, they win more often than not. That is the number for St. Peter's. Hold your opponents under 70 points a game. Well, they have a big one this Friday against Fairfield. Chris Casey has the Stags winning. This is a team that we didn't know what was going to happen. When this season started and all they've done is win eight of nine and turn their season around. The only loss was at Niagara in a very tough environment to the Purple Eagles. But Fairfield's at home. They play St. Peter's on Friday. That should be a raucous atmosphere. We'll see if St. Peter's can we'll see if St. Peter's can remain undefeated or Will Fairfield hand the Peacocks their first loss of the season. Either way, you slice it. The Mac, as we speak, it's St. Peter's in first, followed by Quinnipiac at four and one, and Fairfield at four and two, with Marist lurking right behind. Those four teams, really three. St. Peter's, Quinnipiac and Fairfield, seem to be the class of the Mac. into the conference season. There are a lot of games left and a lot of great games coming up on tap. I just want to say thank you as always for listening and downloading the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, everyone. I do appreciate your loyalty. If you can share it with your friends, continue to spread the word and get the message out there. The Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, there's no other podcast like it, that covers the tri-state of Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York. Thanks to our sponsor, North Jersey Vipers Softball Club. Softball season, it's right around the corner. If you have a daughter or niece or someone you know that wants to play high-level softball for an elite program with elite coaches, contact my man, Bob Germano, and go to NorthJerseyVipers.com. My name is Brian Dinovelis. Enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.